0: This is Blue Wire. Welcome, 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 welcome back to another edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at jreedNFL. That's at j r e i d NFL and. It's been a while since our last episode. I believe our last episode was May seventeenth, so a couple Fridays ago. But I do have some explaining to do, and I know a lot of people have been asking, "Where's the draft board podcast? Is it, is it done? Is it coming back?" Of course, I'm still here. Nothing has changed, even though a lot has changed in my life, and that's why there's been a brief there's been a brief absence in some of the shows. So last Monday I actually welcomed two baby girls into the world. Yes, I do have twins now. Me and my wife welcomed two beautiful little girls into this world and I just wanted I just wanted to take a week off because I had to dedicate all of my attention to them. Everyone knows for those of you out there for those of you out there that have newborns, how much time they do take in your life. And there's just and there's just not an experience like bringing a new child into this life. And me doubling up, this being my first time ever having children in general. So this is a new experience for me. There's a lot of sleepless nights. But my routine doesn't change. Nothing is going to change as far as my routine that's going on with my draft work or anything like that. And that brings me to my next point. I have switched over from cover CoverOne.net to the Draft Network, something that has been in the works here over a week now. I officially announced it last Friday, May 24th, that I am going to be switching over to the draft network and this is something that i'm very proud of and i can't thank the guys over at cover one enough and they just mean so much to me eric turner christian page russell brown and all the guys over at cover one i know i left a lot of names off that list but those are some of the first guys that came to mind because that's a website that gave me my first chance as a draft analyst and just covering the draft and just covering the draft in general. So I can't thank you guys enough. This was a really tough decision, but this was just an opportunity that I could not pass. But this was just an opportunity that I could not turn my back away from. And I'm excited to be switching over to the draft network. And this is one of the biggest entities on the draft draft market right now. So I'm excited to expand my brand and join a really, really unique type of situation. Now being a full-time draft analyst, I can dedicate all of my time to all 32 teams and i still will be covering all 32 teams i'm not going to show any favoritism or to one team or anything of that nature i'm going to be covering every team and i've already started some 2020 scouting notes and that will that will be something that i will dive into during the latter half of the show so make sure to stay tuned to that but i'm excited about this switch over and we already have a lot of things on the docket uh yeah, yeah. We already have a lot of things in the works already as far as what we're going to be doing for the 2020 draft cycle. And I'm just excited to officially get into this thing and reaching out to a broader and a bigger audience, I should say. And once again, I just want to thank Cover One. I cannot thank you guys enough for the opportunity that you gave me to expand my brand. And it's a first class website and it's switching over from being strictly a Buffalo Bills centric type of website to now actually having a nfl draft model and eric turner does a phenomenal job over there he's helped me so much in my career helped me advance my career and i just want to let him know again thank you thank you thank you so much but i'm moving on now to the draft network joining a great group of guys Kyle crabs joe or jc Kyle crabs jc cornell i just want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity benjamin Salak, trevor sycamore Brad Kelly, the list goes on and on, just the phenomenal guys that I will be joining. I can't wait to team up with all of you to bring some fantastic draft coverage to the audience this year. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm super excited. My first article on the Draft Network actually will be dropping next Monday. So be on the lookout for that. And what that entails is I actually interviewed... Two present-day NFL scouts, and they took me through their 12-month journey leading up to the draft, and exactly what that entails in the day-to-day operations that they go through with their job. And it was just a really, really interesting article, and I love to write it, and I love peeling back the cur- I love peeling back the curtain on things like that because there's so many things behind the scenes that we don't realize and that we don't see during the draft, and we don't get to get close to these guys on a personal level. And that's something that they get to do throughout their journey as far as scouting these guys and getting to know them and there's a whole bunch of stops that they have to make depending on what their regional area is and that is something that the article really goes into detail about without giving it too much away and it was just a really fun piece to write by far one of my favorite pieces that I have ever written so far in my analyst or my blogger career as far as one of my favorite pieces that I have written so far to date. So I'm really excited to get that out on Monday, especially with it being my debut article. I'm hoping I'm hoping it generates a lot of traffic because I want people to understand exactly what these NFL scouts go through because they don't get a lot of the glory. You rarely ever know exactly who these guys are, what they look like, what their names are, because – They like to stay behind the scenes because that's what their job entails. They don't want to give away too much of the information that they're garnering and that they're collecting. So that's something that comes with the job of being a scout. You're not going to get a lot of notoriety, even though you're doing a grunt or a brute of the work. And general managers get a lot of the credit, even though the scouts are the ones that are doing a bunch of the work as far as exactly what goes into the actual draft process throughout the year. And they chose to stay anonymous because they wanted to protect the sources, of course, and their teams that they work for. They don't want to give anything away. But there was a lot of interesting quotes from throughout their article that they shed light on. And I just can't wait to get this piece out on Monday. Uh, make sure to go check that out. It will be up first thing Monday morning. But just some of the things that we're going to get into on today's show, uh, just my exact role on the Draft Network, uh, and, of course, some 2020 scouting notes. I want to go ahead and glorify some guys that I found very intriguing. So now that we have some housekeeping things out the way as far as my switch from cover one to the draft network and me having twins and welcoming beautiful baby girls into this world. Now let's get back to the real work in that. Let's talk about some guys in the early. Let's talk about some guys in this 2020 draft class that has already stood out to me. So the prospects that I have studied so far this summer and I don't have an exact number of how many I have watched. I just really take it as it goes as this list comes in of guys who could be eligible for the 2020 draft but the four guys that i'm going to dive into today are grant Delpit, the safety from lsu deandre swift the running back from georgia andrew thomas the offensive tackle from georgia and tristan Wurst, the offensive tackle from iowa All four of these guys have really stood out to me the most, and they contain these off-the-chart traits that I really look for as I'm studying these positions. But I want to dive right into Grant Delpit, and I think this guy has a chance to be really special. And what I mean by that is he has what I like to call he is a jack-of-all-trades type of safety. He has experience at every position on the back end and even sometime in the box as an extra linebacker. So he's fulfilling all of these roles on this LSU defense, and Dave Aranda does a fantastic job. Of or with that lSU defense, I should say, and they're just turning out talent every single year, and they have the right to call themselves d b u because they have had so many guys come out in previous years, and the list goes on and on, I can peel off names right away of the defensive backs that they have put in the NFL. Jamal Adams is just the latest example of a guy who has came from LSU to have success and translate immediately into the NFL and I think Grant Delpit could be on that type of career trajectory as he does enter into the NFL. Now he would be an early enrollee as far as him enroll or him declaring for the NFL draft because he is only a junior this year. He does have two years of eligibility remaining but he's 6'2", 200 pounds, originally from Houston, Texas and what I love about him is I already talked about how he fulfills many positions on the back end of the defense but he has supreme value across the board in so many spots because of his athleticism his knowledge and his recognition skills are so good and he's able to fulfill all of those spots on the back end of the defense and he's not just playing one particular safety spot he's playing free safety he's playing strong safety and he has spent some time at slot corner as well so he's checking all of these boxes and just keying in on all these positions, but there is no precipitous drop-off no matter where he is playing. So that just speaks to his knowledge and just how well of a feel he has for the defense, and he is just a key asset to the game. And what I mean by that is there is no drop-off, despite him being in so many areas on the snap snap on a snap-to-snap basis, and he has experience at all those spots like I alluded to earlier. And another area that I think he is really special in is just his instincts and his awareness. He has really special what I like to call click-close speed, and that means just the timing that goes off in his head of when he recognizes routes and exactly what quarterbacks are trying to execute against him. And when he notices those routes really being developed, and when he notices those routes really being developed, He has a special, special awareness of being able to close the airspace on those plays. And he does that consistently. Now, he is a sometime he face-up tackler. He always seeks out contact prior to attacking where ball carriers are, but his smarts and his IQ really shine when in many different environments, and those environments that I'm talking about is all those different positions that he is playing. So, as a zone defender, his eyes stay latched onto the eyes of the quarterback, and then direct him directly to exactly where the ball is, and I put up a clip about two weeks ago of him against Ole Miss, and he was playing free safety, and he has played that from time to time. Free safety really isn't his best position. I think he's a little bit better the closer he is to the box but what you're seeing is that he started from the far hash and he came all the way over to the opposite sideline and intercepted the ball so that just shows you the type of speed awareness and range that he does have if he is opted to play free safety but I think he probably would be better as a strong safety but he has the skill set in order to be a sometime type of player on the roof of a defense as a single high player so I think he would be able to do that but the one area where I think he has supreme value is as a blitzer and this is where his traits really do shine because he's used as an extra edge defender or what I like to call an overhang guy from time to time uh where he aligns over some slot receivers or if he's showing blitz off of the edge before timing it up perfectly coming in off of the edge. And he does a really good job of disguising those blitzes. He has a great feel for timing up those pressures on the perimeter in order to chase down ball carriers, especially if the ball is running away from him. He has plays where he chases down ball carriers from the backside and is able to tackle them consistently. So that just goes to show you, again, the type of special click-close speed and the instincts that he does have. He also showed the type of physicality necessary in order to take on those pullers uh, when he is on the edge of the defense, if teams are running directly at him, so he has the bend and the flexibility that you're looking for as well. So he just continues to check off these traits that I look for in these safeties. And what I love about him again is just the type of roles that he does feel, and once again, the edge pressure that he does generate. And it, it was a bit more successful when he did blitz off of the edge as opposed to straight up the middle he didn't seem to be too welcoming of that even though he does turn into a bit of a shoulder thrower when he does come up the middle but his traits really shine when he's able to be off of when he's able to come off of the edge and the final quality that I love about him is just his leadership and the thing about him is that LSU has something where they allow the best player on the defense to wear number seven and it's, it's a jersey number that is not awarded to anybody every year it's only for special players and he is switching from number nine and now to number seven and there's been a lot of guys in years past that has wore that jersey number tyron matthew the honey badger patrick peterson and a host of other guys have wore that jersey number in the past so that just goes to show you the type of respect and leadership that he does have uh, from his teammates. Now, one area do I, that I do want to see him work on is just his tackling consistency. That's an area where he does struggle. He has a bad tendency of just really relegating to be a strictly an arm tackler, and I would like to see him uh, be a bit of a more face-up tackler. That's why I, what I talked about earlier and that he's some timing uh, with being a face-up tackler, but when relying on that technique, he really surrenders to a lot of missed tackles, and that's something that I think he really needs to clean up and just some improvements <clears throat> and just some improvements in that area will really help him as far as his draft stock goes. But if he stays on track, I would be shocked if he wasn't a top-ten pick when we're talking about him leading up to next April. Grant Delpit will be sure to get a lot of NFL evaluators fired up as they dive a bit deeper into his film and just see how versatile that he is. But staying in the SEC, I want to transition to another special talent that potentially could be in the 2020 NFL draft class, and that's DeAndre Swift. The running back from Georgia now he is originally from Pennsylvania but he somehow slipped through the cracks and he ended up at Georgia but what I love about Swift is that he's 5'9 215 pounds but he is really rocked up he has a really solid frame throughout and he runs that same weight as well now he hasn't been the lead back ever at Georgia he has spent time or he was there I should say with Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb while they were there and then last year he really was the 1B type of guy on the depth chart behind Elijah Holyfield, so he's going to be able to shoulder the load this year, but some traits that really stand out to me about about Swift is that He has this very, very innate ability of being able to create new opportunities on new planes. And what I mean by that is he has this dead leg move where he sticks his right or left leg or foot, I should say, into the ground really violently when he is in the open field. And Kentucky is a great game where he did show that he had a run about 20 yards out going into the end zone where he did it twice against two guys, especially the safety on the third level. So Having that dead leg move his and really, his wheelhouse or his chest of moves, I think, could really help him, especially on the next level because you have to be able to create. You can't be able to rely solely on a really good offensive line. So Swift having that in his back pocket and be able to create in the open field, I think is going to help him a lot. Another area that I really do like as far as what he has in his repertoire, he has what I like to call peekaboo vision. And I know that's really a scouting term, but I'm going to explain it here. Uh, right now so he has what i like to call a slow too fast through approach as a runner so he really creeps towards the line but when he sees holes or something or a hint of daylight about to create, he really is able to accelerate through that. And then when running out of the offset shotgun, he really does a really good job of keeping his shoulders square. And it really enables him to examine each hole, even though plays are designed for certain areas. So even though a play is designed to go or attack a certain area, he has the vision and the acceleration to see backside cutback lanes or even some holes where he's able to bounce it outside or if a defensive end or a blitzer really crashed too far inside and he's able to bounce the run outside. His head and his eyes will peek in one hole, and if it is quickly filled, he would defer to an alternate route. So it's basically like he's playing a game of trying to find the door that he needs to go into. So he'll knock on door one, he'll knock on door two, and if it's not there, he'll knock on door three, and if door three is open, he'll be able to take it there. So he has has shown to have excellent vision at seeing the cutback lanes, as I alluded to earlier, and if on the second level defenders over-pursue or fill their gaps prematurely, this is where it is able to be seen. And his acceleration, I think it is top-notch. And once he's in the clear, he's able to hit top speed in a split second. So he's able to go from 0 to 60 in a blink of an eye. And that's what I love about Swift. You have to be able to have that that really top speed in order to maximize plays. And I think that's where a lot of yards are garnered in the NFL. And, yes, a guy's, a guy can get you five to ten yards here and there. But do you have that guy that can be a home run hitter and get your offense off the field in the blink of an eye because he has the ability to just peel off these explosive runs and these explosive plays? And once again, the Kentucky game and the South Carolina game are two great games to look at as far as DeAndre Swift acceleration being shown and brought to the light. But he's able to shift gears with minimal room to operate to outpace the opposition, and that is a facet that it really shows to be consistent in his initial burst, and top speed happens so quickly. And he's able to carry that pace throughout the duration of runs. So there isn't a flame-out factor or anything associated with him. Uh, and that's a lot of the main reasons why I like Swift. And he's another guy I really could go on and on about. And he's definitely going to be a guy that really ends up being one of my favorite prospects in this entire class if he does able to stay on course as far as his development and really show and maintain that type of promise that he did show in his career to date. He is only a junior, so he's another guy that would be an early – in. An early enrollee or an early entrant into the NFL draft if he was able to do that but he's a guy that really could be a headliner of this fantastic running back class that we have upcoming in this next draft but he's going to be able to shoulder the load he's going to have the opportunity to do that for the first time in his three-year career so I'm really interested to see exactly how he transitions from being more of that backup role to now being the key feature guy in the Bulldogs offense. Before we move on and finish our brief 2020 Scouting Notes series on particular prospects and finish up with Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle from Georgia, and Tristan Wurst, the offensive tackle from Iowa, here's a quick word from Blue Wire. Want more great NFL content? This is Kyle Madsen, co-host of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast. Check out my podcast and other NFL podcasts on the network by searching Blue Wire on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast players. Welcome back, and I want to finish this segment off talking about who I think who are the two top offensive tackles in the country to date, and that's Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle from Georgia. I want to start off with him because – You talk about a guy that is an absolutely mean dude and massive dude as well, 6'5", 320 pounds, originally from Lithonia, Georgia, so he really stayed at home not too far away from Athens, Georgia, where he is at right now, manning the left side of the offensive front for the Bulldogs, protecting the backside or the blind side of Jake Fromm, and What you love about Andrew Thomas' film is that he exemplifies everything that an offensive lineman should be. He's mean, he's tough, he's nasty, and he just loves to bully guys. Alongside DeAndre Swift, I thought Kentucky was one of his better games where he did match up against Josh Allen, and he completely shut out Josh Allen in that game. And you always want to see how they stack up against guys who are high caliber, and that's exactly what he did against Josh Allen. And he just manhandled him all game. And there's a lot of clips I shared a few on Twitter of where you're just seeing his power and his meanness just take over. So with that being said, I think his top two traits definitely are his strength and his power. He just possesses a true bruising downhill type of mentality. And I think he's at his best when he's allowed to really overwhelm stationary or still targets. And what I love about him is that his acceleration is really good out of his stance. He really fires out of it and he transitions into his movements and he translates it right into power. Very heavy hands and his punch really enable him to latch onto those defenders and really stall their processes immediately, especially when guys are really coming up field. And I love how savvy and aware he is, especially pre-snap. You really see him keep his eyes and head on a swivel when he's able to stay alert. And when those targets appear, he's really able to signal these edge pressures or blitzes that are coming off of the edge. So he has awareness of exactly what's going on, and he's not just out there playing. And that's really, I think, what differentiates good, great and average players on the college level, and some guys are just out there playing, while other guys are aware and they're savvy of what's going on. He always keeps his eyes up. They're never down to the ground. He never buries his head in the ground, pre-snap or anything like that. So when defenses are shifting or they're moving, trying to confuse these offensive fronts, you're seeing Thomas really navigating traffic and pointing out where guys are going and where they're going to end up being, just trying to get guys in the right situations as far as communication with the other four guys to his right side. And getting them in the best protections possible. So once he sees defenders crashing inside, he gives he gives a hard push to their desired pass, and that just goes to show you how aware he is of these stunts and loops that teams are running against him, and they very rarely they very rarely ever confuse him, and that's one of the biggest traits that I love to see. From Andrew Thomas. Now, I think an area that he really does need to get a bit better at is that he does panic at times and he comes a bit of a head ducker and he has some initial waistband panic. And when it really happens when he's beating up the field. Now, it doesn't happen a lot, but he doesn't have heavy feet, but they're not the lightest in the world. That's why I think he's more. He's probably projects better into a man blocking scheme as opposed to a zone blocking scheme, but he probably can't play in both. Um, just being honest, but he relegates to really laying on defenders with a lot of his upper body when he doesn't really trust his technique or guys get up the field really quickly on him. So he gives some free access to guys or rushers when when they do rush up the field, and it makes them susceptible to those underneath moves back inside. So that's just an area that I want to see him improve upon, but there aren't a lot of holes in his game overall, and I would be shocked if he isn't being mentioned as one of the top three offensive tackles when we're looking back up and discussing him in April's draft. Transitioning now to the final player in our 2020 Scouting Notes segment for this particular podcast, and that's Tristan Wurst, the offensive tackle from Iowa a guy who I was definitely presently surprised because all you hear about is Alaric Jackson who was on the other side of the of the Iowa offensive line at left tackle but as you continue to study Jackson you notice and you can't help but glimpse at the other side of the line and you're just seeing this guy really pummel guys and you're really you really ever see him really get beat up the field a lot and The best thing for an offensive line prospect is to him not to be noticed. And what I mean by that is if he's not being noticed throughout games, that means he really is shutting down his side. And that's what you notice about Wirfs, man. What I want to see from him, though, is to develop a bit more of a mean streak. And I put up a clip the other day, or actually Brandon Thorne put up a clip the other day of him going against Iowa State and where he was just absolutely driving a guy 10 yards off the ball. So... That type of mean streak and that type of nastiness is something that needs to come out of him a bit more. But as far as his athletic background, he has so many boxes he, that he's going to check for NFL teams, and he's a three time discus champion, two time shot put champion, wrestling state champion, and he holds the Iowa power clean record. And he holds the Iowa power clean record in their weight room at four hundred and fifty pounds, which he did power clean five, or four times I should say, which was a new record. He ended up breaking Brandon Scherf's previous record there so he has the strength that you're looking for in that area but it's just a matter of him putting it all together and he did have a little off the field hiccup uh, last year where he was suspended for the season opener against Northern Illinois where he had an operating under the influence arrest on July 31st I believe it was but he moved on from that moment and he admitted that he was at fault for that and he definitely moved on from it and he had a breakout season last year now it's just a matter of him putting it all together, and being that dominant right tackle that a lot of people think he can be. And he's a guy I definitely have a red dot beside as far as to track this year. And it wouldn't surprise me at all, along with Andrew Thomas, if we're talking about both of those guys really seesawing back and forth as the top offensive tackle in this class. But I think Worse definitely has more potential than Thomas just because he's a bit of a more smooth operator and a better mover in space. And I think he can go out as far as on the perimeter – on the screen blocks and blocking in space a bit more than what Thomas can currently. So he's a bit more of a loose mover and I think you can do a bit more with him and I think he's more versatile as far as playing in a zone scheme or a man scheme as opposed to Thomas who I think will project better in a man blocking scheme just because of his downhill nature. But with worfs, He's not as solidly put together as Thomas or as well-rounded as Thomas in the run game department and passing game department combined, but as far as a pass protector, I think he's a bit more advanced than what Thomas is currently. He has really good feet, very quiet, very efficient type of run blocker and pass protector, so I think the world of worse. I think he can be really good, and I think he has the potential to really kick, kick outside, I should say, to play left tackle or right tackle, even though they are playing him at the right tackle spot right now. I think... It wouldn't surprise me at all if a team doesn't end up drafting him if he does end up declaring for the 2020 draft and they plug and play him right away at that left tackle spot. So as long as he develops that type of mean streak and displays what he showed in the Iowa State game a bit more often, I think he definitely has the potential to be a top 15, a top 20 pick when we're looking back at this draft com- coming up in April. Wow, that's it. That's episode 23. I can't believe we're already 23 episodes in, but just little scouting notes like that. You guys seem to enjoy it with Grant Delpit, DeAndre Swift, Andrew Thomas, and Tristan Worths, Those are just four guys that really stood out to me the most, and I, as the summer goes along, I definitely will be including more guys in this podcast. We will have four more guys up next week. I haven't decided exactly who I want to do so far, but a couple episodes ago, we had a quarterback preview with Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, Jacob Beeson, a lot of other guys as well and I probably would do some second and third tier guys as we get deeper into the summer and I get to digest their tape a bit more but I want to glorify some of the highlight guys or more cali- higher caliber name guys right now and that's exactly what these four guys are and these are just some of the scouting notes that I love to share throughout the year because I love exuberating and showing what I do see in these guys and sharing what I do see in some of these guys that I'm looking at just to help others. And it helps my process out as well. And you guys seem to enjoy these scouting notes. But once again, I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at J Reed NFL. That's at J R E I D NFL. We will be back again on Monday and make sure to check out my debut piece on the